0: Hi guys, welcome in. Today, Ben and I, we're gonna do a quick reaction to Charlie Chang's extremely viral video. He's very creative. He actually went to interview quite a lot of people in a particular gym that's very high-end. So Charlie's video was seen by many, and we actually learned some things from the feedback that his interviewees actually shared. So without further ado, let's run it. And Ben, anytime you have something interesting that you'd like to chip in, do feel free also.
1: Yourself is the best investment you could ever make? Yeah, invest in yourself, invest in your life. You don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know what's in store. So take care of yourself first. Awesome. Thanks so much.
0: Okay. So just now, what was mentioned is that investing in yourself is the number one tip that first interview you actually shared. So I do believe in that also. You know, you should spend time uh, going for courses. You should spend time meeting people and you should spend time on books and materials that can really upgrade your skill sets. Maybe, you know, skills future, some of the causes over there will also enable you to bring a better income. So anything to chip in on that for this topic or do you believe in that?
2: Yes, I actually do believe in investing in self-improvement um products like courses or books. So recently I actually also invested in a side hustle course, which is coming up um in late September. So I'm actually quite excited to attend and actually learn from these two gentlemen who are actually like business owners in mm. Singapore. Is so this a Skills
0: Future to- Qualified Program?
2: Um, no, it's actually not a which are qualified. I have to pay using my own cash.
0: I think Warren Buffett has shared before, he went for a speaking course, right? I don't know if you read that mm. story before. That enabled him to present, that enabled him to build his career in finance or so, in some way or another.
2: I feel that as much as, as good as it is to attend courses, many people tend to attend courses and not actually use what they learn, not actually implement mm. whatever they learn in the course. And they just conclude that, oh, this course is useless or
0: this course didn't really benefit me. It so Even it's that, like the, the self-help addiction mentality. I saw some videos before that people hop from causes to causes or people hop from self-help programs to self-help programs thinking that they've made progress, but they didn't do the actual work.
2: Correct. So I think it helps to be also a bit careful mm. whenever, whenever you want to attend a self-help maybe course or book, you should actually take steps to implement whatever you learn in the course or in the book mm. instead of just hopping from one course to another
0: and not getting anything out of it. I think set a deadline. Okay, I joined this course. What Mm. I learned, I'm going to spend some time to practice. If not, I wasted my time going for the course. Something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. maybe you could like share it in public as well, Mm. like whatever your notes there and everything that you have gathered from the course. Mm. I think that'll be quite helpful.
0: Good point. Good point. Let's dive on more to what the next interviewee has to share. This one has more
3: on investments. So it's a very interesting topic
1: your name age and what do you
0: do
3: i am jim and I'm 55 years old i'm an investor what do you invest in stocks and real estate primarily
1: so what's the best investment you've ever made small
3: apartment buildings and uh, apple computer stock
1: I ask how much you made on those
3: uh millions wow so this guy is actually a retired investor maybe somehow we can learn
0: a bit more and debate a bit more from some of his points but obviously the most catchy part is he's made millions before my guess, listening to that whole discussion is that he shared that he invests in real estate, small buildings. In US, I think you can do that. But Singapore-wise, the capital required is quite large. Then the second part, he's, he's mentioned that he's also invested in Apple stock. Not that this, this is a stock advice, but I think quite possibly, he's invested very early on in Apple stock. Not, you know, recent times. That's how he has made this amount of profits. What are your key takeaways from listening into that small little portion?
2: I think as much as it helps to make it big from like certain investments. I think what I learned is that your investments should be kept probably as simple as possible. So mm. like whatever you are using, your investments are like all around you and mm.
0: things that you use in everyday life.
2: So you don't have to go like out of your way to actually find the next big thing.
0: But if you investing in Apple stock very early on, Apple wasn't a prominent market leader yet, what?
2: I mean, in investing... I feel that there is also an element of luck. Like, for example, if you are an early Tesla shareholder, Mm. you'll probably benefit a lot also when they were still making losses and you don't even know if the Mm. company is going to survive the test of time. So I think think luck does play a part as well.
0: I agree on the luck portion. Sometimes luck is also made when you know the industry better or know the industry earlier than other people. Maybe Mm -hmm. he was a consultant in the IT industry and he saw what Steve Jobs was building. Uh, So that luck element came with the networking of the brand and something like that. So luck and knowing your industry also ties hand in hand. Sometimes you make your
2: own luck as well.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, You have to stay the course. Investing is just one part. But continuously investing more and more amounts with a good company and building the stake up is the next part Mm. towards building a sizable port. And then let me introduce today's sponsor, which is actually Mumu. So in Mumu's platform, you can actually get to US equities. You can buy stocks like Apple. And right now, if you're new, sign up. They even are giving you new shares. One of which is Amazon shares. So Amazon shares itself is worth more than $100. And if you actually do a cash fund top up of $100, you can actually qualify yourself for $2 a day in terms of their cash coupon rewards. So this is something to look out for if you're a new investor. Mumu is a sponsor for today. And we would like to happily do a shout out for them also. So without further ado, let's go back to this guy who definitely has much more wisdom to share with us in terms of investments.
1: Okay, do you have any advice for people who want to get into investing?
3: Ignore the day-to-day noise and be a more of a long-term investor. Buying companies or uh, real estate that is making a profit now, not a future idea. Wow, what, what is your gut feeling take on that, Ben? Yeah, I feel
2: that nowadays um, with the advent of the internet, there's a lot of people talking about, oh, what's the next big thing? Mm. What you should buy, what you should sell. So I feel that I tend to ignore all these like news that and predictions that so-called gurus and experts make rather i think i like to keep my investments like boring and simple so i don't Mm. like to complicate things too much
0: Uh, what i hear from him is that part which is very key ignore the day-to-day noise correct Mm. did it resonate with you because there's so much market you know noise of fat china war
2: yeah yeah definitely definitely i I think as much as it's good to know Mm. what's going on in the macro environment But I feel that we shouldn't
0: place too much emphasis. I think macro is very fickle. So you see news on China, Hmm. Taiwan. One day they say it's escalating. One day Hmm. there there seems to be a certain normalization. So if you Hmm. keep fearing for the worst all the time, you keep toggling between buying and selling, then that increases transaction costs unnecessarily. And it really removes your perspective of thinking longer, which I think this investor has really shared removing away that day-to-day noise and really looking long-term. But what about the part on investing in profitable companies or cash flow generative assets in real estate also?
2: I think in 2020, we have seen a lot of people investing in like companies with like negative cash flow, Hmm. negative earnings. And while they did pretty well for a short period of time, eventually this year, many of them actually got found out and many of them (laughs) crashed. Yeah, so
0: I think... Any name in particular that you're thinking about? (laughs) Yeah, so I think... Investing in profitable companies definitely is... It removes the element of speculation because when we invest into companies that are non-profitable yet, we're already hoping that they turn profitable in the near future. That's how we discount the cash flow. If we we don't use that perspective, we're not really investing. We're just hoping for a growth story. And history has shown that many times growth stories tend to disappoint because we are running on that theory of greater fools, correct? Like this company is going up, then you hope someone will buy your shares. Simply hype generated from
3: it.
0: Yes, (laughs) correct. So that is pretty dangerous. If you follow the fundamentals of investing, you need to understand cash flows, and I Mm. guess that is what he's hinting also.
1: What's the most you have ever made in one day from investments?
3: A lot of times of d- over a couple hundred thousand. A lot of times of d- over a couple hundred thousand. But I'm not a trader of any kind. I know that's a thing with all the apes and the reddits. If you were 70% sure about what to sell and 70% sure about what to buy, you've got to be right about both of those events. Seven times seven, 49. It's about 49% chance of being right about both. What if what you sold continued to go up? What if the next thing you bought started to go down? You know, you, there's two different uh, events that you can make a mistake. The idea that they're going to be right and right enough and never wrong not going to happen. Well, let me pause it over there. I, I love that analogy.
0: If you believe in what you are going to expect, you think it's 70% probability. You have to be right on both ends. You sell and then you buy. Correct. So mm-hmm. his analogy is 70% times 70%. You are below the 50% range. I've only heard people mentioning you have to be 50% right, 50% right. You are going to lose. But he's even giving a better percentage, which means even if you believe you're 70%, two legs of 70%, you are still going to lose. You might as well ride it out and ignore the turbulence that is in the near term. What are your thoughts on that, Ben?
2: That's why most people preach that
0: picking individual stocks, it's very
2: difficult Mm. because you are banking on a certain company or a certain industry to get it right. Basically, whether you are right on the company or not, is 50-50.
0: I like to extrapolate on that point because it's like you pick a particular company and you realize Mm. that the other companies may be moving in a different pace. There's always that FOMO yeah. that you need to handle, correct? Just in case you bought DBS, for example, and then you see OCBC's yeah. stock rising way faster. You always have that thought: Is DBS still worth it, or should I change to OCBC? So that's that's yeah, I yeah. think particular problem. So when it comes to stock investing, you buy the index, you're really just. Going passive and long term. Ups and downs, you're not focusing on each individual stock's big movements. Yes, yes, correct. Then what about a point of uh, you know, he mentioned that he's made, you know, more than hundred thousand dollars in a particular day. I kind of think his positions are big. That's why uh we're not advocating anyone to go all in. That kind of thing. It's not good investment principles. His investment size is big. So if his investment is 10 million, maybe not 10 million, say five million, one mm-hmm. a few percent movements can be can be several hundred thousand. A few
2: hundred really. thousand. Really.
0: Yeah, Correct. I mean. So I think mm. uh, the sizing also matters. And maybe at this point of time, i also something else to share. As your investment portfolio gets bigger, you need to get used to sizing. You may have gains in some days, which is a hundred thousand. You may have losses also in some days, which a hundred thousand. It's a function mm. of the size. Yeah. Right? We see C-Limited CEO coming on newspaper or he has lost 20 billion, something like that. I saw a headline before. Uh, that's because his net worth is so big. See him, the mm-hmm. shares crashing by seventy percent, eighty percent. That's why his net worth has dropped by you no know, in billions kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's dive back to the video itself.
1: Why do you pay so much for a gym membership?
3: Just like stocks or real estate or a car, if you really, really use it, it's worth it. And if I'm going here four and five days a week and using it for two hours, and they've got great amenities, and they certainly do, it's a bargain at over three hundred bucks a month.
0: Ben, what are, what are your thoughts on the high end gym membership? <laughs> I mean, there are pros and cons to this, but I feel that sometimes
2: spending on gym memberships will actually give you that extra push that you need to actually go and improve your health by exercising. As to whether it's high-end or not, I mean, that comes down to your individual preference. I mean, self-care is also an important thing. So you don't want to like scream on a gym membership, go to those lousy ones where you have to queue for the machines. Hmm. Then it sort of like lowers down the level of enjoyment. You you
0: waste your time queuing for machines already. So that's a lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct? Yeah, correct. And I also like to expand on your point. Uh, It is true that when people sign up for gyms, they get more motivated to do Mm. a change, to try to form a new habit. I think the biggest problem is when people sign for two-year memberships or lifelong memberships, and then that that motivation only lasts for six months. Then the back end, the tail end of it is wasted. So take care of your health, but also do know how gyms actually make money. You know, in our previous podcast, we had founder of The Gym Pod. So they actually do per visit one is to remove away that problem. Hopefully you still stay motivated. Do your gyms. But if you realize your motivation is waning, then, or you found an alternative, then you're not locked into a very long-term contract that costs you money.
2: I feel that it's a good concept where you have to continually pay for the membership Mm. because that actually keeps you motivated. Whereas if you just pay one lump sum and then you you might just forget about it for... Mm. However, many months or years. I think there's a sunk cost
0: that. fallacy, right? Like Yeah, yeah,
2: correct. Yeah. Uh, you so you pay that you, money, you, you don't feel that, that. It helps that you have to continuously pay for it. So you will feel that kind of push to actually go for it.
0: And I think some of the gyms that actually collected lump sum lifelong memberships have folded. So there goes that investment, wasted a few thousand dollars. And uh, if you compound a few thousand with investments over time, uh, that is something that could have chipped into your financial freedom journey. Let's dive back to the video itself.
3: What's your current biggest expense right now? The house payment, probably, but uh, I don't have any car payments or anything like that. Now everything, you know, with inflation, everything going up. I mean, if my box of eggs is 17 bucks, I wonder, oh, what was it before? I just know it's shockingly high now with inflation going up, but the economy always soldiers through.
1: Do you have any tips for people that want to
3: save more money? Don't be a massive consumer and that that might be buying that $5,000 purse. You start getting one in every color and you start getting $2,000 car payments and thing after thing after thing, you're going to look back and go, gosh, if I was a little more conservative 20 years ago, I'd be 45 and retire. I think let's pause it over there. Just now, the first point is what is his biggest expense?
0: Maybe I can start the discussion rolling. I've done a recent video actually to look at my own expenses, and indeed, mortgage is the biggest expense on my books. Uh, mortgage interest rates have gone up, so right now I think my figure is four thousand two hundred plus for household itself with a loan of nine hundred eighty thousand. So the mortgage yeah. rates are really yeah. climbing, and uh, the condom is big. Uh, the permanent amount is big also. It's also shared that car-wise is fully paid. I also fully paid off the car. Uh, But I guess many Singaporeans who run households, car is also another big expense. In Singapore, we have COE. In America, which I guess this is done, uh, there's no such thing as COE. So Ben, what are your biggest expenses? Or have you done a recent audit? I
2: actually have not done a recent audit, but I feel that my biggest expense would be food because I actually like to eat. So I'm kind of a (laughs) foodie. And probably insurance as well, because I feel mm. that um, it's quite important to actually get protected mm. sufficiently. While I know that there's some negative um, vibes about the insurance industry, but I feel that it's an important foundation of our personal finance.
0: Mm, definitely, definitely. Where we spend money on must be properly measured. Insurance, there are a few ways to reduce it. For example, you can go for term plans, use mm. it correctly, or you can even step up. Premium payments uh, with whole life plans, they are short duration. Complete mm. payment in five years, total cost is lower. So these, these are ways to reduce the cost. Some parts cannot be avoided, such as you buy medical insurance, the riders, all that. The way to save for that maybe is to choose government hospital, for example. The, the premium is cheaper. So with regards mm. to insurance, that is one point to take note also. Just now, he's also shared that he does not believe in keeping up the Joneses. Something we've covered on this channel. Right, which is, imagine if you buy a $5,000 purse or something like that, if you get into the habit, you could really start spending a lot of money.
2: Yeah, yeah, like buy a 5000 purse in like different colours, different models. And <laughs> I get the habit
0: of collecting.
2: I think sooner rather than later, you'll run into some sort of financial problems.
0: Yes. Uh, worse still, if you put it on what called pay-later schemes. Nowadays, there are quite a few pay-later schemes.
2: Yeah, the buy-now-pay-later. I, I feel that that is a very... Um, bad concept <laughs> that encourages people to spend what they don't have
0: yeah i, I think people who try the program uh, need to be careful on paying it off if you can pay it off that's good you earn the accrual interest in your bank yeah, right? you don't yeah. you manage it but if you yeah. use it to roll payments and roll debt right then things can snowball i think that's what you're referring to also
1: yes yes correct let's dive back to
3: the discussions
1: What's your biggest failure? I
3: haven't made a lot of big failures, but probably not realizing earlier that failure can be an opportunity to really analyze yourself and kick your own butt like a, a coach would do. The earlier you learn that, the better off you're going to be. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. I would like to pause it
0: over there. This put a thought in me. My, my biggest failure, if uh, anyone were to ask me that, definitely has to be my ice cream business. I actually started something 12 years ago, I uh, sunk quite a lot of money into it and it failed. Uh, but also, that failure taught me how to understand marketing. That failure also mm. taught me how to understand reads. for example. We collect a lot of rent. I invest in REITs also. Being in mm. the position of paying rent right, really really shows what kind of businesses can sustain and what kind of businesses tend to fail. So that was a painful learning lesson. Uh, but mm. what are your thoughts on this point, on the biggest failure? For
2: me, I think my biggest failure was trying to like start my own website. Mm. And I felt that that was not a suitable business model for me because I'm not really familiar with the back end of the website and it kind of flopped because I didn't really have a business proper strategy and everything. Mm. But I feel that everyone has to fail in order to to succeed. I think the biggest lessons failure teaches you are actually the best lessons that you can use to help create your successes going forward.
0: The lessons are more deep. You remember yeah. them, you, you you kind of know what to avoid rather than you read through yeah. a book, right?
2: So like as the saying goes, like fail fast, fail often. So yeah. I think failure is a necessary part of your journey towards success.
0: Well said, well said. You I, I agree you something definitely. that you shouldn't try to avoid. Hmm. Try, keep keep trying. So anyone listening in, right? Try something rather than you fantasize what could happen and you have that regret. You didn't take the courage. You didn't put in the hard work. And the lessons learned are are priceless. You can always apply to a next job, for example. I believe in that also. What's
4: your name, age, and what do you do? I'm Lynn Salas. I'm 28 and I um, run schools in Thailand, actually.
1: Can you tell me a little bit more about your business?
4: Yeah, so my family had language school.
1: Why do you pay so much for gym membership?
4: Well, I actually work here as well. I teach a yoga class here. But before that, I was paying for it because I spend so much of my time here. I work online, so it's really flexible and um, health as well.
0: (laughs) I, I think... This is a a good example of a side hustle. If I hear it correctly, this lady used to be a member and then she found a role to teach yoga classes, correct? That's what I hear. And that is actually a very lucrative side hustle. So with that, her gym membership becomes free. I think it's a very creative way of saving money, networking, and then uh, getting the benefits of what you wanted to join in in the first place.
2: But I think from what I hear, her yoga classes is mostly... Like physical
0: classes, right? Not online. Oh, in in this space, yeah. In this gym, I guess it's physical classes. But her family runs language classes online, possibly in Thailand, something that was mentioned just now. So probably she's a a wealthier individual. I think that's a good guess because not many people Mm. have businesses in Thailand. So if you have one, probably Mm. are quite wealthy. And paying for a gym like that gives you good facilities and a good networking opportunity.
2: Yeah, because I feel that running physical classes has a certain cap to it. Mm. Because there's only so much yoga you can do
0: in
2: <laughs> a day, right? You know I we mean, talked you about
0: it. For eight hours. Yeah. You know we talked about that that circle of passion, profit, and what's the last one? Whereby, you know, you tie up that whole virtual cycle. You have you work for something you're passionate about and you can make mm. profits from there. I think she's passionate about yoga. So at least that mm-hmm. effort in doing it is not like a cost to her.
2: Yeah, the intersection between passion and profit.
0: What was the last intersection? Uh, do you happen to remember?
2: I, I cannot remember <laughs> time, but it's Maybe could just, or... we'll,
0: we'll paste it in for you guys uh, listening yeah. in. What exactly is it? But we've seen before that, and we kind of resonate with that concept of, you know, you marry your passion with something that's profitable so you can pay off bills or so.
4: Do you have any personal finance tips? Don't spend more than you have. At the end of the day, you can't take any of it with you. So be a good steward of what you
0: got. Don't spend more than you have. I think that's, that's a unanimous agreement, right, Ben?
2: It's a very much discussed topic, mm. but I feel that many people still cannot really
0: um execute it. It's 101 in terms of good financial habits. You spend more than yeah, yeah. you earn, everything else will crumble. Sim- Simple yet uh, not done by everybody, unfortunately. So maybe we can reinforce that and uh, someone who is probably more affluent is also saying the same
1: things. What's a daily habit that you do that everyone should do?
4: Every day, I, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I watch a sunset or sunrise, and I try to name things I'm grateful for, and force everyone around me to do it with me. What do you do? What?
0: Oh no, uh, you can too. Let me let me pause it over there just for a bit of fun.
4: How do you make? What do you do for a living? YouTube. What What do you do? What? Oh no, you can uh, I I realized that she was a bit nervous.
0: If you, if you pick up that vibe or not. it really reinforces really this point. When we are new to something, we are nervous. We don't get it right. I kind yeah, of picked yeah. out the, the vibe. She was being playful, but it was at the same time something that she hasn't done before. So don't be afraid to fail.
1: It ties in with something you mentioned.
4: Your finance tips for your viewers. Start a
1: service-based business and find a way to make cash flow. Uh,
4: let me pause you. Start a service-based business and find a way
0: to make cash flow. What, what I'm picking up from Charlie, you see his uh, body language, man. that was pretty unnatural. I don't know if it's my perspective or not. You see him arcing over, being very awkward. In that sense, yeah, I think he was
2: caught off guard by the role reversal kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> where she
0: was the one that ended up asking him the questions. Maybe uh, speaking to a cute girl is a bit intimidating, also even for for someone who is spoken to so many people. But well done again, yeah. Charlie. I mean, uh, thanks for being in the fire and uh, being fun, ha- having fun with it, also.
1: And then use that money to invest in other businesses or whatever. So, yeah.
4: If you could do something and it didn't matter how much money you made from it, and you had to do that thing all day, what would it be?
1: I would probably be a food influencer mm-hmm. or a musician. Yeah.
4: Kind of musician? What kind of music? What kind of things? I don't know.
1: Uh, I'm all over the place, but maybe like acoustic piano singing or EDM. So know. very different. No, I
4: like yeah. I
0: like a person with range. I'm the interviewer now. That's a good rep. Are uh, you really rounds out the point? What is your true passion? A anything you like like in before I round it up or not.
2: Yeah, I think for me I have thought about it before and in the past when I was younger I used to I used to watch soccer, the EPL. Mm. And I always wanted to be the person who actually commentates on Wow On whatever happens in the game. Yeah. So I think that is something that I feel that if given the choice, that would probably be what I want to do.
0: Then you should make some inroads into the sports <laughs> business, right?
2: Yeah, but that's a bit of a fast stretch because Oftentimes, we see like former players are the ones that mm. commentating, and not like someone
0: that's like so far away from the UK and someone that's not really known in that space. They they have deeper knowledge, correct? They've been on the tactics. Yeah, yeah. They've been in the in the back room. They kind of hear yeah, yeah. different stories, and they can give us much better insights that you yes, know a viewer yeah. will really appreciate. Yeah. Then for myself, right I, when I think about this, what is my true passion or what I can do in retirement? I'm really thinking about it hard and. I really imagine myself pouring through companies' books a bit like Warren Buffett, I hope. <laughs> uh, but really, uh, it's, it's a passion of mine, uh, just looking at businesses, analyzing stocks. It's something I think I can do in retiree, even if I can barely move. I hope I can still read with, with a good eyesight and stuff. So true passion, let's also ask you, listening in, what is one true passion that you have that you like to do if you reach financial freedom? If you have something in mind, share it with us. As always, what i mentioned is when you narrate it, to other people. It gives you more conviction that there's something you want to pursue. So with that, thank you for listening in and together with Ben, we'd like to wish you the best in your journey ahead. See you guys. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>